2: Every person who is not saved, every person who doesn't become a Christ follower cannot say to God, it's your fault. Because every person who is not saved can only blame themselves. Jesus said to the children of Israel, I was willing, but you were not willing. So it's not that you couldn't believe. Pastor Mike, I don't believe. God gives me the faith to believe. Oh, he absolutely
0: does. Scripture states that our Lord desires for no one to perish. Today, Pastor Mark will challenge listeners to both believe this truth and act upon it. There is a responsibility for you today to place your faith in Jesus if you want eternal life. Sometimes people will wait their whole lives saying God will grab them when he wants to or when the time is right. The truth is that God wants you now And the time is always right to come to Him. Have you committed to becoming a Christ follower? If not, understand that the Lord is standing at the door of your heart pleading that He might enter. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark as he continues with his message entitled, Jerusalem in the Heart of God.
2: Well, the Jews knew about the patience of God. Their king, their number one king was David. You remember, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Well, how long did God wait before he confronted David of his sin? One year. David was miserable for a year. Finally, God sent the prophet Nathan. And David repented. Well, that wasn't the only time. You remember Israel as a nation. They were in bondage 400 years. God said to Moses, I'm going to bring you Moses to bring these people into freedom. And Moses, remember he made all kinds of excuses. God was patient with him. Finally, Moses came. And then God took Moses to Pharaoh and said, I'm going to bring a plague. Let my people go. And over and over and over. Plague after plague after plague after plague after plague. And finally... Pharaoh said, I've had enough. I'm hardening my heart to you. And God said, all right, there's judgment coming. And then, of course, you remember when the children of Israel were getting ready to walk right into the promised land, God says, take it. They said, no, we're not going to take it. And they ended up in the wilderness for 40 years. What kind of people were they for 40 years? Griping and complaining. 40 years. Where's the onion? Where's the leeks? Why don't we go back to Egypt? God was patient for four, oh, years. He got them food every day, six days a week. Their shoes never wore out. So these Jews understood that. I'm so glad this morning that God is patient with me. How about you? Anyone here glad that God's patient with you? So when you think of this this morning... You know, quite often in our services, because the world gets so funky and it gets so crazy, we'll say things like this. And we mean well, we just don't understand. Oh God, come quickly, take us out of this mess. And then we drive home. And we go down our streets. And the Sunday morning paper hasn't even been picked up in many of the homes. People aren't in church. They're clueless. We go to work and people at work, it's the last thing they want to talk about is God. And then, those of you that are in college, you'll see all these people that you sit next to in class that don't know God. And then, of course, the holiday season. We all will meet with our relatives. Some of them have never turned their life over to Christ. How could we say, God, come quickly? I'm glad he's patient. He's patient. I'm glad God's patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Well, look at verse 37. How often I have longed. Circle these three words. I have longed. To gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Circle these five words. But you were not willing. I was willing, says Jesus but you were not willing. If you miss everything today, you have to understand this principle. Here's key number three. Vieira, key number three. We see balance between the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. You see the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. Calvary Chapels and myself... We believe that the Bible actually teaches both of these. And yet in our human understanding, it doesn't seem that they could be together. They seem mutually exclusive. People who become divisive on this issue claim that, no, you have to believe in one or the other. But I believe the Bible shows both. Let me give you an example. If you carry the sovereignty of God, in other words, God's in control of everything, we have nothing to do with anything, to extreme as some five-point Calvinists will do, the tulip people, it eliminates the responsibility of man. If I carry the sovereignty of God to the extreme, way over here, that means in this church this morning, this is what they teach, that in this church, God elected some of you for salvation, and he elected some of you not for salvation doesn't matter if you want to come to Christ, you could never become a Christian. If you take the sovereignty of God out here, some of you were elected to hell forever. That's disastrous logic. It's not biblical. We already read this morning, it's his will that how many perish? Tell me. None. But what about the responsibility of man? Calvinists to the nth degree, Arminianism to this degree. Some of us were raised in a church. Well, certainly we didn't believe in the Calvinistic part going way over there to that nth degree. No, we believed in the Arminian part. But we took it to the wrong thing. That God had nothing to do with my life. All responsibility in me getting to heavens me. Well, wait a minute. You have to be very careful with that. Because what did we do? Very often in those churches, we came down to the altar every single Sunday night to what? Get saved again. Because there was no security in our salvation at all. If, if I was 59 years I'd been saved. And some people teach this. If I sin one time this week, I probably won't. Well, I probably will. If I sin one time and God came back for us in the rapture, I'd miss the rapture. What kind of security is that? None. So see, there's a balance. How does that work? I don't know. But notice what Jesus says. Listen to the balance. Listen. Listen, guys. I was willing, but you were not willing. So what do I do with that? Here's what I do. There's no way to reckon it. I just believe it by faith. Only in the end will God show us how that works together. I believe it's like this. Watch me. A swing. A swing. A swing has two ropes. And I believe as I become a, cr- a Christian, I sit on this swing. And there's one rope that goes up that's the sovereignty of God. God came to me. In fact, the Bible says no one can come to him. Unless he's drawn from the Father. And then the second one says, if you'll open your heart and believe, you can be a crush. So here's the sovereign you've got, and here's my free will. I chose to accept the invitation. That swing, beautifully, is in balance. How do those ropes come together? I have no idea. When will I see it? When I get to heaven. Oh, Pastor Mike, I don't believe that. I believe it's all the sovereignty of God. Try to swing with a rope with one part of the swing. Go ahead, go go try it. Well, I don't believe that, Pastor Mike. I believe it's all responsible to me. It says, work out your own salvation. Go ahead, try it. Try it. No, I'll take both together and allow the balance to enjoy my walk with God. Let me ask a question. Since God is all-powerful, could he force everyone to become a believer? Notice this verse says, I was willing, Vera, I was willing, but you weren't willing. Could God say to Israel, you're going to believe me? Could he? Sure, he's God. Absolutely. Let me give you an illustration of how this is. You see, when God created us, way back in the Garden of Eden, I think you see the sovereignty of God and human responsibility, the free will of man. Why? He said to Adam and Eve i've created you don't touch the tree he gave him a choice it was free will now why did god create man with free will because listen listen he didn't want robots let me give you an illustration you're a newly married couple you've been married three years everyone around you has children so the question is when you're going to have children and you begin to think about it. You say, what? You know, we like children, but we don't want the responsibility. We don't want the money. We don't want to get into it all. So you go out and buy a little robot. And you name it Jimmy. And it's remote-controlled. And when you push the little button, little Jimmy says, I love you, Dad. I love you, Mom. And, man, you're home free. Then you bring it to church one Sunday to leave it in the kids' ministry. Well, I mean... Here, we're going to send you to Circles of Care. Probably up at Vier, we're going to send you to Wusthof Psych Unit. Can you imagine at Christmas time, all your friends get together. All the little kids are there, opening presents, and here's your little Jimmy robot. Thank you for my gift. Thank you for my gift. Thank you for my gift. And you just pick it up and hug it. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for hugging me. Thank you for hugging me. How many think that equals a real kid? Not a chance. So what did God do? He says, watch me, watch me. I'm going to risk rejected love. I'm going to risk it. Because the love I will get will be real. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. See, that's what makes it. He's a God who's a personal God. He wants love from us. He's not interested in some kind of spiritual robot. Now notice John 5, verse 39, You diligently search the Scriptures because you think by them you possess eternal life. These are the Scriptures that testify about me. Watch this. I've underlined it. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. See, it wasn't that the Jews couldn't believe. They wouldn't believe. They refused. It was an act of their will. We know that God does everything to bring men and women to the knowledge of him. So when I take the sovereignty of God and the free will of man, where am I left with? This is very important for you to understand. Every person who is not saved, every person who doesn't become a Christ follower... Cannot say to God, it's your fault. Because every person who is not saved can only blame themselves. Jesus said to the children of Israel, I was willing, but you were not willing. So it's not that you couldn't believe, Pastor Mike, I don't believe God gives me the faith to believe. Oh, he absolutely does. That Ephesians tells us, he gives us the faith to be. So, the only thing that you can do, if you're going to spend eternity without God, it's because you have personally rejected from a free will. God gave you that choice, and like the Jews, you refused. Well, look at verse 38. I want you to see one word. Look, circle this word. Your house, your temple is left to you desolate. Desolate. Here's number four. We see the consequences of rejecting Jesus and his love. It's interesting that Jesus here says, your house, your temple. A few days earlier, Jesus had said to the Jewish leadership, the temple was his father's house. How do you go from the temple being the house of God to the temple being a house where man is? One thing. Jesus was removing himself from the temple. The presence of God, like in the Old Testament, the word was Ichabod. The presence of God left. Now think about this. In the Old Testament, here in Jesus' time, the only place you could meet God was at the temple. Now if God removed his presence from the temple, what's up with that? You see, here's the key. When you understand, if God removes his place from the temple, his spirit... The people now were on their own. Understand this. You cannot live life on your own. When I became a Christ follower, when I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, He came into my life, I became the temple of the Holy Spirit. The temple of God. In my life, in your life as a Christ follower, is the Holy Spirit. He dwells in us. He gives us protection. He gives us God's presence. He gives us purpose for life. Now, if I become an apostate and refuse to accept Christ anymore, and I say to God, get out of my life. I don't want anything to do with you. Well, it's like Jesus is saying here. That the presence of God leaves. And it leaves me on my own. You can't do life on your own. This morning, you don't want the presence of God outside your life. You want God inside your life. The Bible says as Jesus approached the city, he began to weep. He wept over it. He knew the judgment was coming. He wanted to protect them. He wanted them to believe in him. He knew the terrible judgment that would follow. The temple in Jerusalem would be destroyed. We say, Pastor Mark, you just said that God was patient and he was loving and he was kind. Yes, but look at this verse in one three: The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. You see, there is a day coming. Even though God is patient, he is just and eventually he must judge sin and rebellion. In this particular case, why did Jesus cry? He cried because he knew that the people were responsible for their own rejection. I want to give you a statement. You don't need to write it. Just... Live by it. Be mature. Take responsibility for your actions and your sin. You know, in our world today, here's what I see. And I have the same nature you do. So many people, when they are caught doing something wrong or they sin, they want to rationalize it away. And we hear things like this, the devil made me do it, my upbringing made me do it, my parents made me do it, my friends made me do it, my life stresses me out, that's why I did it, my addiction made me do it, my boss made me do it. No, let's just be simply mature and say, I did it. Keep your finger right there turn back to First John, it's right near Peter where you were. 1 John chapter 1, near the book of Revelation. You see, I'll never receive forgiveness until I truthfully say, I did it. I sin. I'm responsible for my sin and my rebellion. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his Son purifies us from all sin. Now, kind of restate verse 8 if I make excuses and blame my sin on others we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us so I, I can't say, well, you know, Pastor Mark, the reason I do this, the reason I've rejected God, the reason I haven't really become a follower of Christ is it's too hard, it's too difficult. God's not there. He's not strong enough to help me. Uh, my mom is against it. My dad's against it. You know, my upbringing's against it. I have trouble with this and I have trouble with it. That's all nothing but excuses. So I'll never get ever anywhere unless I just admit I'm wrong. How do I do that? Look at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, he'll forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, the Jews looked at Jesus and said, we don't want anything to do with you, you're not the Messiah. Do you know that one day the Jewish nation as a whole will admit they were wrong? Israel's a a secular nation like the United States. Don't think the United States is a Christian nation anymore, far from it. Judaism is dead in Israel. They're just a secular nation. But you know, one day, they're going to admit they were wrong. When is Israel as a nation going to say? We were wrong. We pierced you. You are the Messiah. Well, it's going to happen a long time from now. The next thing we see happening on this scene is the rapture of the church. When all Christians are gone in a twinkling of an eye. Somewhere after that, a period of time begins called the tribulation. If you think you've seen disaster on this earth, you've seen nothing. Over the next seven years, one half of the world's population will die. One half. In that period of time, the Jewish people will look for somebody who's the Messiah. That's who they're looking for today. They rejected Jesus. Well, the enemy, the deceiver, will give them one. His name's the Antichrist. I personally believe he may even be living today. He'll come from a revived Roman Empire, the Bible tells us in the book of Daniel. He'll be raised up. He'll be a man of peace. He'll be brilliant. Why will the Jews worship him as the Messiah? Because he's going to allow them to rebuild their temple in Jerusalem. Remember, I told you three things to watch. The nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, and the next temple that's coming. Well, through all of that period of time... What's going to happen is about midway, this Antichrist is going to stand in the temple. The Jews think he's it, and he's going to stand and say, I'm God. It's the abomination that causes desolation. That begins the second happen of the tribulation called the Great Tribulation. The Jews are scattered. For the next three and a half year, literally it's hell on earth. And then comes Jesus. The battles of Armageddon. At that time, the Jews will come back. And this verse in Zechariah will be proven. They'll see finally that the Messiah they crucified was indeed God. Now go back with me if you will to Matthew 23 verse 39. Did Jesus know this day was coming? Yes. He knew there would be a day that all Israel would repent. He says this, I tell you, you will not see me again, circle the word, until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When will that happen? At the second coming of Jesus. This gives us number five. We see there's always hope with God. Even though there was disaster, Jesus said, there's a day coming when the temple's going to be destroyed, is going to be destroyed, the Jews are going to be scattered... They're going to be scattered. They'll come back, as we learn in Ezekiel 37. As we discovered in 1948, they will be a nation. But they're not ready to repent. Their eyes, as we see in Romans 9, 10, 11, have been blinded as a whole. Many individual Jews come to Christ. But the nation as a whole has been blinded. But Jesus knew that one day, Israel would repent. God would restore them to their promised place of blessing and prominence. Israel would one day welcome Jesus as their King, their Messiah, at the second
0: coming. In the Old Testament, we can see the consequences of the Israelites for rejecting God and his love. Likewise, today, there are consequences for rejecting him. Today, Pastor Mark encouraged listeners to be mature, see their sinful actions, and make a choice to turn from their ways. Have you tried to succeed in this life on your own, but failed? There's always hope in God. Place your faith in Him today and experience His grace. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the Radio Program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Are you ever fearful of what is to come in the future? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach listeners that only God knows and reveals the future. As a Christ follower, there is no need to be fearful. Scripture promises eternity in paradise to those who put their trust in Him. While it is good to be mindful of the future and live with an eternal mindset, we need not be scared because God is in control. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard. His word made flesh in a herd.